Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy hump day. Okay, interesting news conference yesterday with Premier John Horgan. We'll mm-hmm. get into some of the things he had to say, but let's start with some of the uh, the travel restrictions. And again, with COVID numbers surging, there are some people saying, well, why don't we have a tighter lockdown? Why don't we bring in tougher travel restrictions? And again, mostly the read I get from Horgan is he doesn't want to go there. Like he keeps saying, we're not ruling anything out. But he doesn't really want to go there because he doesn't think it's enforceable or maybe it would even work. But let me play a couple of clips here for you and get your thoughts. First, we're going to hear from uh, Sonia Firstino here, the leader of the B.C. Green Party, complaining that some of the guidelines that are in place right now are confusing. Here she is. Ask 10 different people, what are the expectations and the guidelines right now that we're being asked to follow? And I think you'd probably get 10 different answers. Okay, that's the Green Party leader. And here's, uh, here's Health Minister Adrian Dix responding to that. If you have any question about any activity, any activity, don't do it. That's, that's how you cut through the confusion here. Okay, so he's saying err on the side of caution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so people are, are trying to get really detailed here when, you know, you can argue you don't really need details. Dr. Bunny Henry, for example, said if you live in North Van, don't go to Langley. Okay. But <laughs> if you live in Burnaby, does that mean you can't go to Abbotsford? I mean, it's, it's the same kind of thinking. Well, I heard somebody, to say, somebody say yesterday you're not supposed to leave your own neighborhood. Well, if again, Dr. Bonnie Henry says be, be as local as possible. Again, uh, we're talking pleasure travel as well. We're not talking yeah. business travel. This is purely pleasure travel that you don't need to do. So again, unless you you need to do it for business or health, don't do it. Is is the advice? It doesn't need a specific health order. I think why John Horgan's reluctant to get into the weeds on this thing is you, if you start looking at. How exactly would these guidelines, would, would a law work? Would you actually have checkpoints at the border, municipal borders, um, with staff by police or something? And again, is that what people really want to see is suddenly checkpoints uh, with staff by police on highways that you can't go from A to B? So people are being asked basically, uh, it's, a, it's a code of honor basically yeah. Um, yes. to, to sort of obey this. And some people are going to choose not to do it. And I'm not sure a restriction that uh, physically bars people from doing it is better than just asking people to sort of honor this code of conduct. Uh, I think the alternative is worse than, um, than uh, again, uh, having guards at, on highways. Okay, Horgan certainly seems to be reluctant to go there, although... Continuing he not says to it's rule. on the table. He says it's, it's not, on the table. It's not ruling so there, as we out. speak, cabinet is meeting right now, and no. they are talking about potential restrictions uh, that go beyond what we're seeing right now. We are going to see the in the ban on in-person dining in restaurants. That's going to be extended now. Able the association of when uh, was that supposed to end? Uh, April nineteenth. It now looks yeah. like it's going to be extended until after the May long weekend, which is uh, uh-huh. around the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. So yeah. another another few weeks of that is going to be in place because again, our case numbers simply. I mean, they were down to eight hundred and seventy two yesterday, from you know more than a thousand. That's hardly a decline. We're still at an unacceptably high number. The number of people in hospital continues to escalate. Uh, which is um, concerning. Thankfully, we saw a drop in ICU numbers yesterday. But what we're seeing in Ontario, if we are behind Ontario by about a month, we're headed for disaster. 
I don't think we're going to get there, uh, frankly. I Why do you say that? Why do you say that we're heading for disaster? If, if well, Dr. Henry says we have been we have been lagging one month behind Ontario yeah. for a long time. Ontario now is in a disastrous situation where ICUs are being overwhelmed. If we're headed towards our t- Ontario is, that would be a disaster for BC. But again, I'm not sure we're going to get there. I think things will start to improve after this week, but we're still in the incubation period following Easter long uh, weekend, and that means the cases are going to continue to be high this week. Okay, interesting to see what will come out here. As you mentioned, a cabinet meeting going on right now, and who knows, maybe we'll see tighter restrictions. Horgan continuing not to rule anything out. In fact, he said yesterday that he's been in talks with Alberta Premier Jason mm-hmm. Kenney about potential travel restrictions, and here's Horgan speaking yesterday about that. I did have a, a phone call, a bilateral discussion with uh, Premier Kenny yesterday on a range of issues. Among those were the concerns we both uh, share mutually about people that come back and forth between Alberta and British Columbia, whether it be on essential travel or non-essential travel, and the consequences that's having on case counts in our respective jurisdictions. So we have not taken anything off the table, but practicality is first and foremost in our mind. Uh, practicality, yeah. yeah. Like, how do you do it? How do you enforce it? Well, there's a lot of essential travel between BC and Alberta. There's a lot of people who live on one side of the border and work on the other side. That is considered essential. Work is essential travel. Um, how do you how do you ban pleasure travel? Um, do you get hotels and uh, instruct hotels not to accept uh, guests from out of province? I mean, that could be something to look at. Keep in mind. Dr. Henry is the architect of the public health policies. It's not the provincial cabinet. The one exception that seems to be is travel. Um, she's pointedly said that's not her, in her bailiwick as far as she's hmm. concerned. She, does, she doesn't think she has the power to tinker with borders. She's made that clear through this. But um, Jason Kennedy and John Horgan can come together on a deal. Okay, the other point that Horgan made yesterday, and he's made this point before, is that he doesn't think that tighter restrictions have necessarily been effective in other yep. provinces. And here is Horgan talking about that yesterday. The notion of having a curfew is something that's not necessarily being particularly effective in Quebec. Uh, some of the harsher restrictions in Ontario have not seen a decline in the case counts there. We are at a new phase of the COVID uh, crisis. And our approach has been always to be nimble, to be focused on what we can do to keep people safe, what we can do to protect individuals, communities and businesses. And that's exactly what we'll do. But it re- requires all of us working together. Your thoughts? Yeah, again, aside from tinkering around the edges, I don't expect there to be uh, really uh, onerous restrictions coming BC's way. It was interesting, John Horgan yesterday saying the the curfew in Montreal and Quebec has not reduced uh, cases there. In fact, you've got a there's been an argument it actually brings more people out to defy the curfew saying this wow. is, infringes on their civil rights. Now, it might be a little early to conclude what's going on in Ontario because we're still relatively uh, just a few days from those restrictions going in place. But I note today, almost 4,200 cases, I think 28 deaths reported in Ontario. The numbers are not declining in that province, even though they have very severe restrictions. Talked to someone a few days ago uh, in Toronto about this uh, order to stay in place, what effect it's having, and, sh- and they said basically none. I mean, it's, people are still walking around. Uh, basically, a few you know, more stores than usual are closed because it's, they're non-essential, but supermarkets are open, pharmacies are open, liquor stores are open, uh, parks are open. People are still walking around.
around. Um, and again, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to gather outside. The goal right now is do not socialize indoors with people outside your household. Okay. Another interesting question that he was asked yesterday was whether he would be willing to take the AstraZeneca mm. vaccine and some of the controversies we've seen with that particular shot. And he's eligible to get the vaccine because he's 61, yep. right? So he's in that age cohort, 55 to 65. 64. To 64. Where if you can find it at a drugstore, if you can find it, if you can find a pharmacy that has some AstraZeneca, you would be eligible mm -hmm. to get the AstraZeneca shot. Now he falls into that category. Now he was asked yesterday, okay, you're eligible to get this vaccine. Have you got it? And if not, uh, why not? And would you be willing to take it? Maybe set an mm -hmm. example for people who may be hesitant to take this particular vaccine. He had an interesting answer. Here's Horgan yesterday on that. My spouse and I registered for our age cohorts, which has not yet been called, I'll say, uh, has not yet been called, I'll repeat. Uh, and it took uh, two minutes to do the two of us. Uh, so I had been staying in that stream, but I, I have been uh, discussing with my colleagues whether or not it would be a good idea for me to get an AstraZeneca vaccine. I know my colleague in Ontario, uh, Premier Ford, has done that. I would have no hesitation whatsoever. Okay, so what do you think of that? Like maybe if he if he took the AstraZeneca vaccine, maybe it would set an example yeah, for the public. Yeah, no, interesting question. Uh, mm. I don't think the answer has been uh, supplied here yet. It's an, it's an open question whether he's going to get the AstraZeneca. It's a possibility. One of the challenges living in the capital, we don't have a lot of AstraZeneca here. I mean, I'm, I've got friends and colleagues who've been searching for AstraZeneca. Keep in mind, we don't... Uh, whether it's Pfizer, Moderna, or AstraZeneca, the challenge has been to find enough vaccines to meet demand. And Adrian Dix has walked us through the numbers before. We're literally hitting the wall on a weekly basis where we're running out of vaccines, uh, and then they arrive at the 11th hour. But but it raises an interesting question about whether if you're eligible to get the AstraZeneca vaccine, should you make an effort to get it right now, or do you wait and potentially mm -hmm. get the Pfizer vaccine? Because let's be honest, if it, people are going to have a choice... They want to take the Pfizer well, vaccine. There's there's two schools of thought here. First of all, if you register for the Pfizer, the, the Pfizer comes to you uh, in terms of uh, appointments. They're gonna you register. You're gonna be contacted for an appointment. AstraZeneca is exactly the opposite. You you've gotta got to go find it. You've got to go find it, and yeah. you've got to check. So I've got friends and colleagues again went through a dozen pharmacies to find AstraZeneca and ended up just basically being put on a wait list. No guarantee they're gonna get AstraZeneca. Their their age cohort might come ahead of them. So AstraZeneca is a bit of an a, a elusive uh, prey right now for a lot of people. Okay, it'll be interesting to see if Horgan ends up yeah, taking it's it an, if he does like a photo op. For the it. final chapter is. Not been yeah. written on this one. Okay, interesting one. All right, let's uh, take a break, come back. All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry from Global News. Let's go to your phone calls. Uh, Ken and Langley. Hey, Ken. Hi, Mike. I got two things. Uh, my wife and I got the AstraZeneca shots the other day from Save on Excellent Service. No problems. Um, the, the people got to get this fear factor out of their minds because the more they stop taking the vaccine, whatever's, whatever's available, mm -hmm. a little more danger. They keep our society in a little more danger. Get the damn thing. Yep. And also, um, with the international travel and that quarantine situation where people are walking away and not uh, obeying the rules when they come back into Canada yeah. and the unnecessary travel also, what kind of useless waste of space, waste of tax money do we have in uh, Bill Blair, uh, Elizabeth Tam, the health authorities, and the federal government to not just stop those people from doing that? I understand the safety issue when people, you know, if they got COVID or something like that with the uh, uh, border guards. I can understand that stress, but we got to stop these people. I want to see more people call in and start holding this useless 
federal government to account for not okay. stopping. Okay, okay, Ken, thank you thank for the you. call. Yeah, to Thanks. his first point, well taken. Get vaccinated. You know, yeah. it's in everyone's interest to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And his second point, it is true since the beginning of this pandemic uh, international travel and airports have been a source of concern at first the, the provinces took over the airports at the beginning of this then bc had to hand it off there's only four international airports operating in, Van- in canada right now vancouver calgary montreal and toronto those are the only four international airports they're run by the feds but i can tell you talking to provincial officials who are frustrated with what they see is uneven application of enforcing the rules at the airports and now this this story emerges more than 100 people define the quarantine rule doesn't mean that those 100 people had covid and were suddenly walking out in society but they were running the risk they were just refused of, to report to the hotel yeah and so they they uh they're they exposed, the loophole they get a three thousand dollar a day fine for doing that, right? Although we've heard about maybe what is it, ten percent of the fines have been paid. Like yeah. a lot of people are saying, okay, go ahead and find me, but then try to come, find come and get me if you yeah, want the money. Try to find me. So it, it's a loophole that thankfully only a small number of people are exploiting, but yeah. they're exploiting it nevertheless. James in Vancouver. Hi, James. Hi, guys. I just want to ask you about the uh, Whistler uh, vaccine rollout. Um, I, I, a lot of people are concerned with why is it that if you obey the rules, you get punished, and if you disobey the rules you get the vaccine. And it's quite frustrating that if you own a $10 million home in Whistler, you just drive up, you show your resident card, you get the shot. You could be 18, 20, whatever it is. But if you obey the rules and stay out of the bars and stay and, and uh, obey what the officials are saying, you get punished and you don't get You're the told vaccine. told to wait. <laughs> go to the, go sit, sit and wait. Yeah, it's, uh, absolutely, uh, it's absolutely uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, common common complaint I'm getting. First of all, um, you're not being punished. You're just having to wait your turn. What's happening in Whistler is what we saw in Prince Rupert. The goal is to stop community transmission. Well, it's a hot spot. It's a hot spot. Uh, so It's the matter, hottest spot. It, it was. Is, yeah, because Whistler infected many people in Metro Vancouver. If you look at uh, uh, the, the escalation of cases on the west side of Vancouver in the West End, many of whom had traveled to Whistler and brought the, the virus back with them. That's why it's in everyone's interest is to stop the transmission of the virus. And if that means uh, giving vaccines to people who didn't play by the rules, that's unfortunate. But the end goal is to stop the transmission. Well, it's not like the fire department saying, well, your house is on fire, but we're not going to put it out because you didn't yeah. follow the rules. And not everyone, fire, fire detector. Not everyone in Whistler broke the rules. I Let's mean, be clear here. There's many people in Whistler. There's 14,000 people who live there. 14,000 people did not break the rules. Well, how many frontline workers got it? Yeah. It was not their fault. They're nope. reporting to work as essential workers. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, let's go to uh, Rick and Langley. Hey, Rick. If I can't travel from North Bank to Burnaby, why is there a steady stream every weekend RVs going out to the Fraser Valley to provincial campgrounds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. yeah, and we're going to see that continue. We're into a, a week's worth of fantastic weather. You can be sure the roads are going to be busy. The parks and campgrounds are going to be busy. But again, I'm not sure how you're going to prevent this. We'll see if the cabinet comes up with with some restrictions, but I'd just be surprised if they do. Well, it's like you've got Adrian Dick saying don't travel, and then the, the transportation minister saying, oh, by the way, we're putting on extra ferry sailings mm-hmm. because so many people want to travel. So well, you don't want which, to. Yeah, the concern there is you don't want to displace essential commercial travel. Yeah. And ferries is a good example. Like, how do you shut down the ferry system without hurting people who need the ferries for medical and commercial reasons? Well, the argument that we had the other day about this is maybe you do an online disclosure system where if you want to get a 
a reservation on the ferry, you got to do it online all, and sign, that, a, sign a virtual disclosure that you're traveling. All is that essential. is is just a higher level of code of conduct. It's an honor system. It's an again. honor system. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to uh, Blair in Richmond. Hey, Blair. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, so I live in Cloverdale. My you got thirty. Se- you got thirty seconds. By the way, go ahead. Live in Merritt. I haven't seen them since August. My daughter has a daycare issue now on May the thirty-four and five that she had covered off, and now she doesn't, and uh, she's desperate. And I'm saying, okay, well, on the CDC website, grandparents can look to, can provide daycare for their grandchildren. Now, we don't live in the same household. We don't even live in the same health region, but. Uh, it doesn't say that the grandparent has to be in a different health region, so I don't know whether to say yes. I can I can help you and be with my grandchildren and okay. Let's see if let's them. see if Keith knows. Keith, do you know? You know, I'm hesitant to advise people on really personal situations. Having learned this through the pandemic, I get all sorts of uh, scenarios like this. Again, you just got to look at your use your own judgment on what you think is safe for yourself and your family. Thank you, Keith.